Well, this is Steve Tarter, and we're talking with Zoe Chance. Uh, Yale uh, is a professor or is uh, instructor? Senior lecturer in marketing is my job title. Okay, at Yale University, and a very successful class uh, that I think led to this book, right? Uh, that's what you said in the in the onset. And the book, of course, is Influence is Your Superpower, and that's a great title. Um, this book is is... You know, somebody might be a little put off. No, it's one of these, you know, tell you what to do books. That's not the case here. Um, and I love some of the comments you've got people making on the, the publisher. Got them anyway. Said um, smart, lively read, fun filled with great stories. This book is special. Those are the kind of things in there. It's a it's a great read. Um, and what is your goal in this book, Zoe? Steve, my goal is for all of the people that you're describing who might not be interested in picking up a book like Influence to be empowered and to get to be more influential so that we are not leaving power in the hands of the power hungry people who do study and practice influence. So I teach uh, techniques and strategies that are comfortable on both sides so that all of us can do it. Now you teach a class um... And, and I think you, you were saying, you know, you've worked on this for some time now at Yale. That's very well attended, uh, very popular. Um, what, what are the, what are the students, what feedback do you get from those students on your class? That's right, Steve. This is the most popular class at Yale School of Management. Um, I had 600 students apply last time I taught it. And who knows what it will be the next time after this book. What, Can they all what fit in one room? How does that work? 600? No, no, most of them don't get in. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe sometime they'll put me in a job. So that's why you wrote the book, right? Okay. Yeah, really. To, and of course, so that you don't have to go to Yale to get mm -hmm. this kind of knowledge. What students learn is they learn how to become an influential person, someone that other people want to say yes to through a series of practices and challenges that I cover many of them in the book. And then I go in the book way deeper into the science than I get to do in the class. The idea is that I don't want to just teach you how to succeed in a transaction, but I wanna teach you how to become someone that when you approach somebody with your great idea, they wanna say yes to you before you even tell them what that idea is. That's, that's a very, uh, boy, that's a, that's a very important thing because I, I have to tell you, my first impression when I saw the book title uh, was, oh, this, this sounds like politics, you know, influence, I'm going to make you vote my way. And it's not, it's, it's everyday life. It's all kinds of things. Uh, I mentioned to you before we started here um, about the gator and the judge, the, the two, I guess you could say your brain is working in different ways there. Can you explain that just a little bit? I mean, because it sounds like you were very you were very influenced by that alligator when you saw it in Florida, right? <laughs> yes. So I use this analogy. This is the fundamental concept of behavioral economics, which is the it's technically system one and system two. But when I teach it, people mix up easily what system one and system two. And it's sticky. If you remember, it's a gator and a judge. The gator, which is system one, is fast, unconscious, intuitive, habitual. And I was very surprised when I actually met a bunch of alligators at Gatorland in Orlando. It's the alligator capital of the world. And the thing that surprised me most is how lazy they are. 
I was tossing pizza, pieces of raw meat to these gators and I don't have perfect aim. If you don't have perfect aim, they're just gonna let that meat sit there until a bird comes down and pick it up. Alligators actually are so, so I call them lady, lazy, they're really efficient. They weigh about a thousand pounds. They have the brain the size of a walnut. They only eat two pounds of meat per week. And Steve, they can actually go for up to three years without eating at all. So their dominant response to anything that comes across their radar is to ignore it. And that's what people do with almost every influence attempt. See, this is, these are the things you learn in this book, that an alligator can go three years without eating. I never knew that. <laughs> I also learned in your book that Shaq, is, is a Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, is a great tipper. And you've got that in there. These are little tips here. For you to read this book because uh it's it's fascinating because it always leads to something because one of the things with that <clears throat> putting the uh, getting back to your context of the immediate response versus the thoughtful response or whatever however you want to play that i'm thinking of the times and i don't mean to pick on anybody but when a panhandler is trying to get something they use that story and i am i'm saying that i know there are sometimes genuine it, you know situations here but the story is usually i've got my children with me and they're in the car and i need gas and i don't have enough can you, and it's like it's deliberately set up so that the gator response is oh my god here right i mean is that is that fair so first of all if you approached me with that story i'm sure my gator brain response would be yes i don't I don't actually hear the stories of panhandlers that often because I have a habitual gator response of just walking by. I'm not listening to the stories, which I think a lot of other people are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then if I go by and then I feel bad, I come back and I give them money. Um, but, but yes, in um, it, so somebody who has to beg for money just to eat is going to do anything that they possibly can, but I wouldn't say that that um, panhandlers are tremendously successful at it, right? right? But they're they're doing the best that they can, and um, mostly though, all they're doing is asking. Mostly they don't have um, these big complicated stories, but the ones who do do a little better. We didn't even talk yet, Steve. Actually, I just realized about the judge, which yes. is the super important other <laughs> yeah, part. People are going, "Hey, what about the judge? Yeah, yeah. let's get to the judge." Yeah. So the judge is the other part of, it's not anatomy, but an analogy. The other process in our brain is conscious, slow, deliberative, effortful, can only consider one case at a time and tries to be objective and rational. So these two systems, system one, the gator is the first responder. System two, the judge is the second guesser, but only sometimes. Most of the time, the, the one that's driving the bus is the gator. The gator is responsible for up to 95% of all of our decisions and behavior. And the judge is who we think is in charge just because that's the one that's conscious. The gator is unconscious. So by definition, we can't know when we're having that experience. That, it's a fascinating thing. Um, one of the things you have a number of chat, and by the way, there's chapters in this book that are like, Three and a half, nine and three quarters. You know, you know, it's if, you, if you're used to a straight delineation of chapters, 
you, you're going to find some other things here. But um, you, you, you uh, spend at least one chapter, maybe more, on framing, framing an argument, framing uh, a situation. Uh, give us a little bit on that, because I, I find that fascinating. Sure. A frame is a perspective, and it's defined with words. So I, I share a story in the book about when I shifted my frame of teaching, how do I, what's my perspective on teaching? I was defining myself as a teacher. And then I shifted to, because of an experience with Danny Meyer, the restaurateur, the idea of what if I were hosting the class? And what happens when you have a powerful frame is that it influences your expectations and it influences your actions and it influences your experience and your evaluations. So when I shifted to the idea of hosting the class, my expectations for both the students and myself were reduced because you can't fail as a guest mm -hmm. and you can't really fail as a host. And also I didn't need to be the center of attention anymore when I was oh. hosting rather than trying to teach the thing. And I also just, I completely shifted my actions toward um, being more hospitable to the students instead of someone who's going to be a judgmental grader. So mm -hmm. I'm going to evaluate you. No, I'm going to welcome you. So my TAs and I, we show up early, TAs make small talk with students as they come in. We learn people's names as quickly as possible. We play music before class. And Steve, I don't even take attendance anymore, let alone grade it, because you shouldn't be required to come to a party. <laughs> I want you to come to the party only if you want to. And every single day, I have about 95% of students showing up even though I'm not grading them or taking attendance. And, and, and if my students are listening, I'm sure they're thinking like, okay, professor, it doesn't actually feel like a party to us. It does feel yeah. like a class, uh, but I have much higher job satisfaction. And I think that they do too. Even on Zoom, by the way, when we went virtual, we, I asked my TAs to be on screen smiling, to uplift the right. environment and create joy in the room. It's really cool. helpful. And, and the thing I uh, remember from that uh, section in your book, and we're talking with Zoe Chance, uh, and that's the, the book is Influence is Your Superpower, um, was how you change, uh, you can change, well, you, you change perspective, just as you said from your uh, class, classroom experience, but going from state taxes to death taxes. Uh, in other words, same thing, but we're going to call it something else. And climate change becomes global warming or, or you know, th there's a way of looking at something and yes. you use those examples. And, and I think that's, that's something we need to keep in, we need to keep touch on because we fall into that where we don't, we don't think of, Oh, well, that could also be such and such. And we don't do that. Right. Yeah. And the, the move, the shift, very intentional, conscious, and even market research tested shift from death, so from estate taxes to death taxes enabled the people who are trying to make this change to raise the limit from $600,000 to $11 million. So now people with estates up to $11 million pay no uh, estate taxes on them Just, or death yeah, taxes, because, if you will, because no one should have to pay taxes for dying, right? right I feel right. that too. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so you put it, put the right spin on it and Look what happens. Okay, one more thing I want to ask you, Zoe. Did your dad really 
send a live baby rattlesnake in a Coke bottle. <laughs> That's in your book. I mean, I, I, I didn't make uh, that up, right? To, to, been, to his mother, right? Okay. It's been confirmed by my mom and by my dad's mom. My dad actually sent a live baby rattlesnake. She thought it was so cool. And she put it in the bathtub and she kept it for a while. But I'll actually have to ask my dad what happened after a few days in the bathtub. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we know there weren't any baths being taken. That's for sure. Wow. But that's, that's an example of some of the, the fascinating things in this book. Uh, Zoe, the, 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 the very um, sort of message that, that one gets here is, is, you know, kind of keep your options open a little bit. And, you know, the, the idea of, can you restrain your gator? Should you, I mean, in other words, that judge you mentioned, that part of your brain that's sort of standing by only works short periods of time. Do we want to do that more often or, or, you know, what's your thought there? It's, it's really complicated, Steve. We can't restrain our gator reactions, but we can do a lot to restrain our decisions and our behavior and put guideposts on it. So, um, things like having policies or having rules. Like to me, because I'm an empathetic person with a big, warm, fuzzy heart, I told you that when there's a panhandler, my rule is that I walk by and I don't give money to the panhandler unless I regret it later. And then I come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for example, in hiring, really important domain, if we care about equity in hiring, we are going to have gator-based biases and we can't help it. We relate to and we like people who are like us. We, re- we like, for example, people who are attractive, right? All of these gator biases that we shouldn't be using when we hire, and those just have to be reined in with policy. So we have to track things, um, measure things, have rules and things like that. And this is, this is known, but I really want to encourage everyone to just um, don't beat yourself up for having gator responses and biases. Just don't let yourself behave according to those gut reactions and biases. Very good. Well, Zoe, thank you so much. We've been talking with Zoe Chance, author of, well, it's, uh, you know, I, I said the Gator and the Judge, but the actual title is Influence is Your Superpower. And thank you so much. And uh, I can see why your class is so popular at Yale, because uh, the book is just fascinating. And, uh, you know, it's a party. So, hey, who doesn't want to go to a party? <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank Zoe. You. Thank you so, so much, Steve. All right. Take care. You too.